copyrighted program created by the Rio Grande Oil Company. Offenders Police calling all cars, attention all cars, broadcast 143. Investigate a man dragging a body down Franklin Avenue. That's all. Everybody wonders why, year after year, Rio Grande continues to get so many contracts from cities and counties throughout the West. Specifying Rio Grande cracked gasoline with tetraethyl to power more police and emergency cars than any other brand. The secret of Rio Grande's success lies in the refining process, which is protected by patents. The Sinclair cracking process, which is used exclusively by Rio Grande in the Pacific Coast market. Rio Grande's outstanding success with cracked gasoline has led many other companies to install cracking plants. But none of these are as efficient as the patented Rio Grande Sinclair process. Millions of dollars have been invested by Rio Grande in complicated pressure stills that chew up gasoline so it will start quicker in your engine, accelerate faster, and turn into power without weight. All lazy, slow-burning units are extracted. Naturally, it costs Rio Grande more per gallon to, pro- to process cracked gasoline. But the cost to you is no more. And Rio Grande is rewarded for this extra expense by its growing sales of cracked gasoline, which have outstripped all competition. You have been impressed, like hundreds of thousands of other motors, by the undeniable fact that Rio Grande cracked gasoline is preferred above all others by the fastest, most powerful cars on the road. Police cars, fire engines, ambulances. When are you going to find out for yourself what a tremendous difference this super-refined gasoline will make in the performance of your car? Rio Grande Cracked Gasoline offers you police car performance in your own car at no extra cost. And now it is our pleasure to present Chief James E. Davis of the Los Angeles Police Department. Good evening, friends. The job of being a policeman is a discouraging one. We, whose duty it is to enforce the law, see all too much of the violation of laws, both man-made and natural laws. Sometimes we despair of the human animal, so prone is he to make mistakes, and having made them, continue to do so. It is a difficult task to apply the legal yardstick to cases where natural laws are violated. An example is the case you are about to hear. The murderer was maladjusted to life. The damage had been done to his personality long before he committed his crime. Called in as we were to investigate, and in a sense, as is always the case, to sit in judgment upon this fellow man we could not help realize that he was paying not for the crime of murder, but for deep-rooted maladaptations in his personality, beginning perhaps in babyhood. If so much of the sentimentality and false values 
false propaganda and prudishness which goes into our social training could be swept away. If we could be trained from infancy to think instead of to feel, then indeed would crime drop to a historical low level. Then indeed would crimes of passion of a nature you will soon hear disappear completely. March evening in 1930. In a bungalow court apartment in Hollywood, two couples are seated around the card table before a blazing fire. And that gives us game and rubber. Not much luck for the visiting fireman tonight. <laughs> well, you can't win all the time, you know. Well, I really think you must be going. It must be past 10 o'clock. Oh, come on. Let's play another rubber. Sure, Edith. Give me a chance to show this car shark I know some tricks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, all right, but I know you, Harry. You never want to stop. That's right. <laughs> Except when I'm winning. It's <laughs> <laughs> your deal, Jimmy. <laughs> all right. How would you like it? Four aces apiece? <laughs> no, just give me the four aces. <laughs> <laughs> Look. Huh. Oh, there in the door. A man. Mm, what? What? I beg your pardon. Can I see you for a minute? Uh, uh, sure, sure. Uh, you girl partner? You better come with me, Harry. Okay. Oh, don't you mean? You look dangerous. Like a living ghost. Don't be silly, honey. He's probably drunk. Um, uh, come on into the kitchen here. Now, what is it? I need help. There's a woman, a woman. Well, what's the matter? She's sick. Where is she? Next door. You've got to help me. Well, all right. Lead the way. in the living room. Uh, hmm. She looks like she's asleep. Yeah. She's sick. You've got to help me. Help me get her up on the floor. Oh, okay. Uh, Harry, yeah. you take her head off. I'll take her feet. Come on, Harry. Gee, 
Yeah, I never handled a dead body before. Did you, Jimmy? No. Sort of, sort of gives you the creep, doesn't it? Sort of, yeah. Let's take a look in there again. No, no, I don't want to go near her. I can see it through the window. Streetlight makes it look like she was But she isn't. Come on. Come on, let's get out to the sidewalk and wait for the cops. Dead woman in the bungalow back there. Okay, lead the way. Come on, Paige. Who is the woman? I haven't any idea. I live next door to the bungalow, and Mr. King here and his wife and my wife were playing bridge when a man came in our back door and asked us to help him with a woman who was sick. Mm-hmm. We tried to lift her off the floor where she was lying. We thought she was cold and sick. There was blood stains on her dress. Where's the man? He drove away. Why didn't you hold him here? Well... So excited and in such a hurry to call you, we forgot all about it. Yeah. There's the place. The side door here is open. Go right on through. She's in the living room. Anything there? Yeah, that's right. I don't see anything. The mic switch right to the door. Well, where's this dead woman? Harry. Harry, she's gone. Oh. Say, what is this? Some sort of practical joke? It is. You two birds can laugh at all. Yeah, no, I, I swear there was a dead woman lying in there, not ten minutes ago. Maybe, maybe somebody dragged her into another room. Oh, look at the bedroom. You're in the kitchen, Harry. All right. She had been here. Nothing out here, either. Nothing in the bathroom. I, I can't understand it. How much you boys had to drink tonight, huh? Not a drop. I didn't wish she'd gone. But I know she was lying right there in the middle of the floor ten minutes ago. And she got tired waiting for us to take her to the morgue. So she grew wings and flew away to heaven by herself, I suppose. Now, you guys have got the police. We saw a corpse there. We tried to lift She was cold and stiff. I cut the wet spots in her dress and there was blood. Look, look, here is a stain right here on my finger. Look at it. Feel it. It's blood. Okay, so it's blood. But where's the body it came from? That's what I want to know. So do I. First, the guy that looks like a ghost comes into the house and then we handle the corpse and then the corpse and the ghost both disappear. It's just a natural. I thought at first you guys were just drunk. But it uh, looks now as if you were playing nuts. It's the doctor! It's the doctor! Ah, here's your boss. Come back to life. This is Scott, the landlady. Hey, that's right, Mr. Scott. I'm in here. Hey, Mr. Scott. Thanks, Mr. Scott. What's the matter? Well, Jerry Scott, there's a crazy man right here. Who's crazy? 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 Who's now, what's the big idea? Huh? Shake him down and put the cuffs on him. Paige, I want to look at this woman. Right. He's uh, dead, all right. Where? Been dead for several hours. Where is he? Give us a board. Yeah. Our pal here had, had this on his hip. Mm, 38. Break it open. Loaded. No shells fired. What's your name, buddy? Who's this girl? What'd you kill her for? Huh? I didn't kill her. I didn't kill her. 
Why do you kill him? Any of your people know this man? I never saw him before tonight. Neither did I. He rented that bungalow from me this afternoon, officer. He did? What did he say his name was? Mr. Burns. He gave me a $40 check to cover the rent. It was signed C.L. Burns. Know anything else about him? Well, after he rented the place, he left. But he came back about uh, 5.30 with this, this girl here. He introduced me to her as his wife, and I noticed at the time that she seemed surprised when he said that. They stayed in the bungalow until about 7.30, and then they drove away. I didn't see them again until just now when I saw them uh, this way. How about that, buddy? Is your name Burns? Hey, there's a Ford Coupe parked over there. Is that your car? Huh? Yeah. Let's all go over and take a look at it. Check that registration, Kate. That's what I'm going to do. Then your flash, will you? Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, it's registered to a dealer in Figueroa. There's a pencil notation here. What's that say? Sold March 23rd to Charles Thomas. So you just bought the car yesterday, huh? Is your name Charles Thomas? Or is it C.L. Burns? Oh, I'm going to book this baby on suspicion of murder. I'll send the morgue wagon out and a couple of boys to impound the car. You stick here until they come, will you, Paige? Right. And you better throw a sheet over that corpse until the wagon gets here. She ain't as pretty as she once was. Captain James Bean of Central Homicide assigns Lieutenant Leroy Sanderson and Aldo Corsini to the case. After a conference with Dwight and Page, the Hollywood Division detectives, they interview Burkhart and then report back to the captain. We can't get this guy to say a thing, Captain. He won't affirm or deny anything. He just won't talk. He's a strange one. There's no doubt of that. But we got one lead. What's that? We found a telephone number in the dead girl's purse. According to the phone company, the number is assigned to a Sally Martin who lives on New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Better check on it right away. Awful late at night to wake up people, Captain. I know. We've got to get to the bottom of this as soon as possible. Go ahead and rot her out of bed. Yeah. Why, this dame is sure a heavy sleeper. Yeah, if she's home. She ought to be home at 3 a.m. Here comes someone now. Police, ma'am, we want to talk to you. What do you want to talk to me about? We're trying to get an identification. We need your help. Well, I don't see what you have to wake up people in the middle of the night for. I've got to be on the set early in the morning. We're very sorry, ma'am, but this is important. Well, what is it? Your telephone number is normally 7258. That's right. And your name's Sally Martin. Yes. What is this all about? There was a woman murdered out in Hollywood last night. We are trying to identify her. We found a slip of paper in her purse with Normandy 7258 written on it. The only clue we have. You remember giving your telephone number to any young woman recently? Why, no. I, I can't imagine who it would be. A... You know a Mrs. Burns? No. Or a Mrs. Thomas? No. Of course, I've got lots of girlfriends who might have my number, but... I don't know anyone by either of those names. We have reasons to believe those names are false. But we must get an identification so we can go ahead with the case. Now, I wonder if you'd come over to the morgue with us and look at the body. When now? Yes, now. Well, of all the going to the morgue at 3 o'clock in the morning. It's terribly important, Miss Martin. Very important, Miss Martin. Very important, Miss Martin. Oh, very well, then. You wait out here until I get some clothes on.
slab. Here. Pull down the sheet, will you, Cosine? Well, Miss Martin? Oh, my God. It was one of my... God, who killed her? That's what it is. And McKnight. The office for the rest of this friend is in the air. Come along, Miss Martin. Now, here, Miss Martin, sit down here. Here's a glass of water, Miss Martin. Thank you. Now, will you please tell us what you know about Anne McKnight? I first met her on Broadway Melody set. She was a dancer and a big player. There hadn't been many calls in the past few months, and she got a job in a drugstore at Santa Monica and Western Avenue. Was she married? She had been married and divorced. She was married to a fellow by the name of Brokhoff. They didn't get along very well. He, he was awfully jealous. He used her. What else do you know? That's Well, it's enough to put the bee on our suspect. So your name isn't Burns and it isn't Thomas. It's Burkhart. Quick work, pal. Yes, my name is Burkhart. William Burkhart. And the woman you killed is your former wife, Anne McKnight. Isn't that right? Oh, no. That's where you're wrong. You can't pin Anne's murder on me. I didn't do it. You can't prove that I did. Well, if you didn't do it, who did? Well, I'll tell you all about it. Anne and I went out riding yesterday, and there was another fellow who went with us. What was his name? Charlie Hunter. He used to be a boyfriend of Anne. Where is he live? I don't know. Well, go ahead. The three of you went riding. Yeah. I stopped to get some cigarettes. When I came back, Anne was sick. The other fellow had gone. I took her back to the bungalow. I thought she was sick. I didn't know she was dead until you told me. Oh, come on now, Burkhardt. That's a pretty flimsy story. Why, anyone could see the girl had been shot. There was blood all over. I tell you, that's the way it happened, and that's what I thought. Yeah. That's my story, and you'll have one swell time proving anything else. But we will prove something else, Burkhardt. We'll prove you murdered her, and we'll hang you for it. Having established the identity of the victim and the strong suspicion of the player, Corsini and Tennyson begin the complicated job of spinning a noose around Burkhardt's head. Their first call is to the office of Dr. A.F. Wagner, Los Angeles County Autopsy Surgeon. Well, Doc, what's the verdict on that girl they brought in from Hollywood last night? Yeah, she's been shot five times, once over the heart, once in the left side, and three times in the back. Access is one bullet. The others have gone through the body completely. And that smart guy tried to tell us he thought she was sick. The only sickness that poor girl had was uh, lead poisoning. Otherwise, she was a perfectly healthy specimen. You got the bullet you took out of her? Uh, here it is. Thanks. We'll need it. Come on, Corsini. Let's take a look at Burkhardt's car. For the love will you look at those blood stains all over the cushions? Hey, they look. They're on the floor of two gloves. They're flat from hitting the metal. And then here's two more in the upholstery. This door here. Apparently, he shot her twice, and then as she tried to get out of the car, he emptied the rest of the gun into her back. Well, you got to be sure. Come on. You take these slugs into Spencer and Marksley and find out if they were fired from the gun the boys took off Burkhardt last night. I fired around 
found the test shots from the gun you brought in and then compared them with the bullets found in the murder car and in the victim's body. And what did you find? There's no question. All ten bullets were fired from the 38 to took from the suspect. Look, Sassini. You can follow the blood marks from the sidewalk all the way to the bungalow here. One tail goes in and another comes out. Plenty lazy, that guy. He didn't even try to carry her. He just dragged the body. He shot her in the car, dragged her to the house, and then when the neighbors called us, he got scared and dragged her out again. Well, we've reconstructed the crime pretty good. Now we'd better start backtracking on this movement before he murdered her. Park outside the store a little before 4.30. I didn't know who he was until I saw Anne Lee. She gets off at 4.30. And as soon as she walked out of the store, this fellow jumped out of the car and walked over to her. They talked for a few minutes, and I remember thinking he had a good-looking day down the road. Then she got me the car, and this fellow came in and bought two bottles of wine tonic from me, and I thought, oh, boy, I'll bet they're going to have a party. And then he went out and got in the car, and they drove off. Well, Burkhart, are you ready to come swinging? What do you mean, Company? I told you the truth. You've lied all the way through. Prove it. Sure, we'll prove it. And we'll prove that you murdered your ex-wife. Ah, you've got a job on your hands. We're only trying to be honest with you, Burkhart. It's too bad you won't do yourself a favor and come clean. Oh, nuts. What do you want me to do, break down and cry? Well, just to show you how honest we want to be with you, I'll tell you everything we know about you. Maybe you'll realize that we're not going to have such a hard time hanging you as you think. Of course, you might get off his life if you cooperate with us. I'm never going to try. I'm innocent. Yeah, well, listen to this. On Sunday, you bought a Ford Coupe on South Figueroa Street. You made a down payment of a check for 150 bucks. Signed Charles Thomas. Before we begin talking about murder, you might recall that the California Penal Code provides a long rest in San Quentin for passing bad checks. But to go on. You didn't sleep at all Sunday night. Now, it may have been something else. Or you may have been planning murder. But they let that pass at an uncertain point. You quit your job, drew your pay Monday noon. You rented the apartment Monday afternoon. And Paul said you met your ex-wife when she got off work. You persuaded her to take a ride with you. After buying two bottles of wine tonic, you drove off. Arriving at the bungalow court at 5.30. Two hours later, you drove to some unknown spot, emptied your gun into your ex-wife's body and returned to the court. Where you dragged the body into the house. Then you got scared, so you called in the neighbors. They went for the police, and you completely lost your head. So you dragged your body out of the apartment, down the street where you were found. Come on down, Blackhawk. That's so well. That's the way you take reconstructed crime. No wonder there are so many unsolved cases. You know, Burkhardt, it would give me great pleasure to smack you one right on the foot. Yeah, but you won't. On account of the policeman, your friend. Okay, Costini, hold on to that Latin temper of yours. Well, how about it, Blackhawk? What's the matter with my story? Plenty. Well, let's hear yours. <laughs> Ann and I split up in the first place on account of our relatives. We loved each other. She promised me that she'd come back to me if I got a bungalow where we could live alone and I got an automobile. So I did. On Monday, I met Ann and we started for the bungalow, but we ran into this Charlie Hunter. He rode with us a little ways and then got out. We went to the bungalow, and my hand got a little sore at me because I was drinking wine tonic to celebrate us getting together again. But I, I patched that up, and 
We went out at 7.30 and we ran into this hunter again. Yeah, quite a coincidence. Yeah. Then, uh, like I told you before, I stopped with some cigarettes and when I came back, hunter had gone and Ann was sick. So I took her back to the apartment and uh, I got frightened and called these people next door. I mean, you dragged her dead body back to the apartment. Wrong there, copper. You can't prove it. Wait until you see the photographs of those bloody tracks. If Ann was shot, Charlie Hunter shot her. Oh, don't be such an obstinate fool, Burkhardt. Every bullet that came out of your wife's body and out of that car was fired from the gun we found on you. You can't prove that. <laughs> We've been hanging men in ballistic testimony for years. <laughs> You're about to give an impartial truth, the whole thing, but nothing but the truth, so I hope you've got it. Thank you. Well, what is your name, please? Joy, Miss Knight Hudson. You are related to the deceased. Miss Knight Hudson. Mrs. Hudson, will you go record in your own words what you know about the relation between your late sister and the defendant? Well, Your Honor, they married less than a year, and Anne was forced to divorce him in 1929 because he was so because of his intense jealousy. He threatened her life if she didn't come back to him. Soon after they were divorced, he had him arrested for making his threat. He stood under a peace bond. But Anne told me often that she'd die before she'd ever lived with him again. And that's just what she did. Is there anything else in the department? Has the defendant ever said anything to you about his relationship with your sister? Yes. I met him in the street several months ago. And he said... If I can't have Anne, nobody else will ever get her. I'll do that. Thank you, Mr. Foster. Call me down. Okay. Very well. That's all, Mr. Your Honor, at this time, I would like to enter a secret exhibit team this letter, written by the defendants to the deceased. It may be given. And I won't read this a paragraph of that letter. The defendant writes, Though you have been having a marvelous time with me, Nancy, I trust you have enjoyed yourself to the fullest degree. I guess I am not a new man. I am jealous. Remember, I am still your husband. And remember that you repeated after the minister until death do it part. Now, the word death is written in capital letters and underlined in the exhibit. The letter continues. I myself have formed a firm resolution adhering to that line. Do you understand? It's not really written in heaven or Over my dead body only, some other man can have you. I think this document answers the defendant's nearly challenged to find the motive for the crime of the deceased. If ever there is a terrible threat, I get to see it. I think so, Your Honor. Counsel, the defendant is afraid to do it. There's personal opinion on it. Just saying. First, counsel, remarks by the reading of the exhibit. Counsel, will say these arguments for the summary. I beg your court's pardon. The argument for the defense that some other person killed Anne McKnight, or if Burkhardt did do it, he was insane at the time, failed to convince the jury. All testimony having been given, the argument having been heard, the jury quickly reached a verdict unprecedented in California legal history. Mr. please read the verdict. Leave the jury find the defendant guilty of first-degree murder and... and and recommend that he shall be hanged. <laughs> <laughs> On the information of the jurors, the verdict of first-degree murder carries a mandatory death sentence. It is unnecessary to add a recommendation such as you have done 
And indeed it is the usurpation of this false power that might be construed as contempt. And so it was. The jury wanted the proverbial eye for an eye. The twelve jurors, outraged at the crime of murder, wanted it doubly certain that justice would be meted out by the state upon the murderer. So it was done on January 29, 1932, when William Burkhart stepped through the trapdoor at San Quentin to eternity. Thank you, Chief Davis. Ladies and gentlemen, every month a half million people drive into Rio Grande Crash gasoline station to get their free copy of the Calling All Cars News. We invite you, too, to read this unusual publication full of latest movie news, radio news, and illustrated true detective stories of the crimes you hear solved on these Calling All Cars programs. Even if you are not a regular user of Rio Grande Cracked Gasoline, you are a listener to this program, and we want you to have a free copy of the news every month. Drive in today or tomorrow. If you aren't in the market for Rio Grande Cracked Gasoline, you will certainly be interested in the outstanding motor oil value offered by all Rio Grande dealers. In refinery steel cans, selling as low as 25 cents a quart, you can now get the famous Sinclair motor oil, the same oil that is used for the leading American railroad, the leading airplane lines, because it is de-waxed and de-jellied. All impurities are extracted from Sinclair motor oil to be the concentrated pure oil that is positively guaranteed not to break down, to give complete lubrication no matter how hot or cold the weather. To protect your engine, even when you're going faster than ever before with speedier Rio Grande cracked gasoline. Rick Lindsley bidding you good night for the Rio Grande Oil Company.